Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Um, So what we are going to be talking about uh, uh, is we're going to be looking at the life of Moses, uh, starting in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, and um, that's where we're going to start in. And um, if you don't know about the story of Moses, let me just uh, catch you up real quick. Uh, So um, up to this point in chapter 2, verse 11, uh, Moses, he is a uh, he he's a Hebrew boy who was born into slavery uh, in the uh, nation of Egypt. And one of the trials or persecution that the Hebrew nation went through is that as slaves, Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, uh, he had a proclamation that all uh, Hebrew boys would be tossed and drowned into the river upon birth. And so when Moses was born, what his mom did is that she made a, a waterproof basket and put uh, Moses into it. And, uh, this, and, and the same river that Moses was supposed to be drowned in was the river that Moses was delivered in. Um, and that just you know, tells me right then and there, like, Whatever that enemy tries to have a plan for you, don't you just give up just yet because God can turn around what the enemy meant for evil, and he can turn around for good in your life. So, um, And Pharaoh's daughter finds uh, Moses and uh, knows that he's a Hebrew boy, but she takes him in as his own and, and adopts him. And uh, that's where we pick up in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. Uh, but um, I want you to say tonight's title uh, with some frustration, because this is how you're going to get, like, the point across. But tonight's title, turn to your neighbor and say it, like, with some frustration. Say, it's about time. Say, it's about time. Okay, let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you for gathering us tonight. We thank you, Father, that we're here for no other reason other than grow closer to your son. Uh, we just celebrate you tonight. Uh, we love you tonight. We just want to be more closer to your spirit. So we just thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders taking place. And uh, we're just ready for something great to take place tonight. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says, everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand clap tonight. Feels good in the, in the building. So we're picking up in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, and we're kind of be walking through this story. Um, and so we're picking up in verse 11. And now it says, uh, many years later, uh, when Moses had grown up, and I'm going to stop right there and give you some context. So by many years later, Moses is actually now at the age of 40. And you have to remember, he has been adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. So now he is a prince of Egypt. Um, and what Josephus, uh, a um, Jewish historian from the first century A.D., actually says that Moses was next in line to be Pharaoh. So Moses, for 40 years has experienced a totally different lifestyle compared to his fellow Hebrew because uh, the, the, his fellow Hebrews were slaves, but, but he was a prince. He, he, he experienced a lavish lifestyle, uh, really that of Egyptian royalty. And so that's the context. And then it goes on and says, then he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and saw how hard they were forced to work. He, uh, Moses, even though he has been adopted and was a prince of Egypt, he still had a heart for his people. 
uh, he said that he saw the, his people and he saw how hard they were forced to work, how they were living the life of a, of a slave. And so he's looking at, these, at his fellow Hebrews and really what Moses had on his heart, that he had it on his heart was to free his Hebrew people, to, to not let them be slaves anymore. And if there's a person who has that kind of authority, if there's a man that has that kind of authority, that's the Pharaoh over Egypt. Now, Moses was supposed to be the future Pharaoh, so we can kind of see um, a, a plan forming in Moses' mind because he's thinking to himself, one day, you know, I'm going to be in next in line. One day, I'm going to be Pharaoh over Egypt, and when I am, that might be the moment that I, I, I might have to be here so I can be able to let the, the Hebrew people go and not be slaves anymore. And it almost kind of sounds poetic, right? This Hebrew boy that was born into slavery um, is now on his way to be the next uh, uh, pharaoh of Egypt, the, the leader of the most powerful nation. And so really what Moses was waiting on, he, he knew that his, his future held something. He knew he was, he was about to rise to power, but it was just a matter of time. It was just a matter of time for him to get there. It was... It was like he was, he was waiting uh, for the right time. Um, but time is a funny thing. If you ever really had some, you ever had like a deep shower thoughts? Anybody here? You start thinking about like, what is time? You know, some of you ever done that? I've done that a few times. Like when you start to think about time, it's just like you can't really wrap your mind around it. Like, like it, it's, it's so vast and it's so complicated. We, like, because you and I, we, we experience time all the time, you know, but yet we don't really understand it. We don't really know, you know, what it is. Like the, the best um, explanation that our human minds can um, come up with is that we define time as, a, as, a, as the experience of existence in the past, present, and future. Like that's our best definition of time. And so we have this weird relationship with time, and, and even though we experience every day, we, we can't change it. We, we can't speed up time. You can't slow down time. Um, you can't go, you know, into the past or the future, or, or at least I don't think so, you know. I've seen a lot of movies, but I don't think we can do that. But we, we all have this, this relatable experience with time. Hallelujah, youth back there, they're receiving <laughs> Jesus. Like, we all have this this, this, we can all relate to time, right? Like, we can all relate. Like, if there's something that is relatable, it's that we can all relate to the experience of time passing in our lives. Like, as human beings, we can all relate to that. It doesn't matter who you are. We can all relate uh, to time. So, so, therefore, we can all relate to Moses. Because what Moses was doing is that he had a promise that he knew what is, was in his future, but it was just a matter of time until it happened. But that's when it can get confusing, confusing because when is the right time? That's, you know, what we're talking about time. You know, that's what we're talking about, time. Like, when is the right time? Because Moses knew that he had this purpose on his life to free his, the, the, the fellow Hebrews, but it was just a matter of when it was going to be there. You know, was it going to be five days from now? Was he going to be fair? Was it going to be five months, five years? Like, how long, how much time? Uh, was going to pass by until he would step into his purpose. So Moses, he, he, he knows the task that God has put on his heart, but he doesn't know the, the timing of it. I think we can all relate to what Moses is going through. We, I think we can all relate to, to knowing what needs to happen, but not knowing when it's supposed to happen. 
like uh, um, any single people in the house, like you know you're supposed to get married, right? But you don't know when it's going to happen. Like, uh, or you, you know you, you're supposed to start this business, but you don't know when you're supposed to start it. You, you, you know when the, a promotion is coming, but you don't know when it's coming. Like, we struggle with this thought of, of time. We, we don't understand it. We, we can't wrap our mind around it, and so we, we struggle with it. But I want to encourage somebody who's struggling with time tonight is that if we take our focus off of the when it's going to happen, and we keep it on the who is going to make it happen, which is Jesus. If you do that, if you focus on the who instead of the when, and instead focusing on so much of your relationship with time, and you focus on your relationship with him, I'm telling you, you're going to have a whole much better time about it. And so we have this weird thing, so you kind of see what Moses is going through. He knows he's supposed to, he's looking around, and he knows that he's supposed to free his fellow Hebrews, but he doesn't know when. He doesn't know the timing. He knows he's supposed to do it, but he doesn't know when he's supposed to. So we continue on with this story. It says, during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. And he, he looks at him, and, it's, and you can just see that he looks at his fellow Hebrews, and he has this great compassion and sympathy towards him. And it says, after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Out of his desire for justice for his people, out of his desire to make what he felt like was his purpose, to, to, to free the Hebrew people, out of his desire for that purpose to happen, he made a brash decision. He, he made a decision because it says in Scripture that we just read that he looked around to make sure nobody was looking. And who knows that if you have to look around to make sure nobody's looking, you probably shouldn't do it, right? And then it says that he buried and he hid the body. Like if you have to hide something, that usually means that you're ashamed of what you just did. So what Moses was doing is that he knew that he was supposed to free the Hebrew people, and he kind of sees an opportunity to speed up the process because he sees that an Egyptian is beating a fellow Hebrew, and he looks around, he notices that nobody's watching, and he looks around, and nobody's going to see. And so he, so he does the wrong thing. He, he thinks now, he, what he thinks to himself really is that he thinks he sees the right time to do the wrong thing. And a lot of times we get caught up in the same place. We, we are trying to speed up something. We're trying to make the time uh, fit our schedule. And so when it, it doesn't seem like and we're trying to speed up, or but, but we see an offer, we do the wrong thing um, at the, we, or we do the wrong thing at the wrong time. There's no right time. That's what the uh, point number one for tonight is that there will never be a right time to do the wrong thing. There will never be a right time to do the wrong thing. What I'm trying to explain that is don't let the enemy convince you to speed up your purpose or promise in your life by doing the wrong thing, by cutting um, uh, the, the corner and making a shortcut, and by contradicting your values, thinking that, you know what, I, I, I know God has a promise and purpose on my life, but I'm trying to speed it up right now. Like I, I'm trying to make it happen um, faster right now. Don't let the enemy convince you to make the wrong decision that you know you're not supposed to make thinking that if you do this, that might get you ahead. Because as soon as you do that, you, you, you fall, you, you fall back, you, you, you take steps back. See, Moses thought he could speed up the process by taking a shortcut. He thought he could, he, he could speed up 
the, the time. He thought he could make what God's promise in his life happen on his schedule. He tried to speed it up. And what the enemy does to us in the same way is that he tries to get us so discouraged, um, so dismantled about the timing of things that he, he convinces us to make the wrong decision sometimes. Like, like sometimes we're so quick to find that right person that we give ourselves away too quickly and too easily because we want to make that relationship happen faster. And the enemy convinces of that. And, all, and that even relationship might have even been one that was supposed to be good for you. But because you try to make it happen on your time, not God's time, now a blessing has turned into a burden. So now Moses, who has this promise and purpose on his life to free the Hebrew people, he goes out, he, he, and it's a promise from God. He knows it is. But because he tried to do it on his timing, now he finds himself as a murderer doing something he never thought he would do but he thought he was doing it for the right reasons. There, there will never be a right time to do the wrong thing. Don't ever let the enemy convince you to do the right thing or the, or the wrong thing, thinking that it's a, the enemy won't convince you of doing the right thing. I'm just going to don't, don't let the, the enemy convince you of doing the wrong thing, just be, even if he thinks the right time. So we, we've talked about, you know, our relationship with time as, as humans, as, as individuals. We, we've talked about how... Humanity has a relationship with time, and, and we struggle with the time of things. But real quickly, I want to tell you now what God's relationship with time is. You see, we serve a God who's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Okay, I'll focus on the last part real quick. What omnipresent means is that he's in all, all places at all times, that he's in the beginning and the end, which means that he's in our yesterday, he's in our today, and he's in our tomorrow all at the same time. So whenever you and I are confused about the timing of things, we need to realize that we serve a God who is not contained by time, who is not limited by time. a matter of fact, he is the creator of time. So if there's anybody we should trust with the timing and of our purpose and promises in our life, it's Jesus. Because he knows how it's all going to work. And so as we continue, it says in verse 13, Said so the next day when Moses, he went out to visit his people again, and he saw two Hebrew men fighting. He asked them, why are you beating up your friend? Moses says to the one who had started a fight, um, the, man the, the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Moses, he, he, he thinks he had done, has done a good thing, right? He, he thinks he had this done something that aligned with his purpose to, to free the, the Hebrew people. And now him thinking that he did them a favor, he goes up to his fellow Hebrew people and says, hey, what are you doing? Why are you fighting each other? And they look at him and they say, hey, who do you think you are? Who, who, we, we didn't elect you. We don't want you. We don't, we don't choose you. We don't even consider you as one of us. You're in a palace right now. You're, you're next in line to be, to be Pharaoh. Who are you? You are, you, you are nothing to us. And even though Moses was trying his, to, to help and to free the Hebrew people, they, they rejected him. And they didn't want nothing to do with them. And they said, hey, what, are you going to kill us? It's like you killed the Egyptian. And, and they didn't want nothing to do with Moses. And even though he, he, he had a heart for those people, those people didn't have a heart for him. Imagine being so passionate about a person, about a people, but yet they don't even want nothing to do with you. I can't help but to think about the symmetry with Jesus in that moment. 
when Jesus came to this earth, wanting nothing more but just to love us, to wrap his arm around us, to, to save us from our sins. But it said that, that the people rejected him. And it says that even the people that he saved or was trying to save, they, they spat on him, that, that, that he, they, they crucified him, that they, they chose a, 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 a criminal over Christ. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 7 through 8, it says that very rarely will, you, will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But it says that but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means that while we were still messed up, while we were still not even thinking about Jesus, guess what? He was thinking about you. And that even though that we were sinners, he still died on a cross for you and I. And so that's why I get fired up when I think about Jesus is because I know there's nothing that I can do wrong. There's not, not, never anything that I can do to separate me from his love. Because before I even thought about him, he died for me. And so, so it says that, that Moses, he was passionate about his people, but the, the people were rejecting him. And when you continue with the scripture, it said that Moses was afraid after hearing this, thinking to himself, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. Think about that. Your, your, your stepfather was trying to murder you. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. So Moses, he, he's on the run for his life right now, and I can't even begin to think about what's going through his mind because he's like, what have I just done? I was in line to be the next leader of the most powerful nation on earth, but now I'm a fugitive. And now I'm running away from my life. Now, now I don't know what my future holds. Now I'm questioning whether or not I am even supposed to help out my fellow Hebrew people. Was I, was I wrong? Was I confused? Because now it doesn't look like I'm anywhere close to that promise that I thought God gave me. I can either see now that, that he, he's losing hope about the future, that, that he, he thinks that, that, you know, somehow he, he, he thought he, that he was advancing in the promises of God, but he was just really taking himself out of what he, what he thought God wanted him to do. And he's confused, and he's worried, and he's running. And it's all because he, he was trying to speed up God's promise in his life. He was trying to speed up. He was trying to take the timing into his own hands. And that turned out to be something not of a benefit but of a burden. That leads us to point two for tonight is that God's calling done on man's timing results in a counterfeit. God's calling done on man's time and results in a counterfeit. This is what I'm going to try and say. If we try to do God's plan according to our schedule, we're always going to find ourselves on the run, just like Moses. If we try to do what God wants us to do exactly and, and fit that into our Google calendar, it's never going to work. If, if man tries to, to, to make the, his future happen by sacrificing the present, by trying to make it happen now, you're going to steal from your future. Don't steal from your future because you're eager about it happening in the present. That's what Moses, he was so eager about it happening in the present that he was stealing from his future. He was stealing from, from, from what the promises of God was in his life. So he's on the run, and he's in Midian. And then we're going to jump to verse 23, and I'm going to give you some context of what happened. So he gets to Midian, he arrives, and he becomes a shepherd. Uh, he, he finds a wife. He, he starts his family. 
and he totally forgets about what God had promised to do and what he thought had promised him to do. Time passes by. Matter of fact, 40 years passes by while he's in Midian. So it says, Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, it said, years passed, and the king of Egypt died. Pharaoh died. So Pharaoh has died. Forty years has passed, and a man who grew up as a prince is now a poor shepherd at the age of 80, right? Who knows that if you were just looking at the story, you don't know how it ends, you would think his life was over. You would think it was over for him, that he missed out on his moment, that he missed out on his purpose, that he made a mistake. And because of that mistake, he wasn't going to be able to, to step into the promises of God. And, but it says that 40 years passes by, 40 years passes by before he has that burning bush moment. And sometimes that makes me like wonder, God, like, why, why do we have to at times wait for something to happen? Like, why is there a waiting season? Why, is there, why, is, why can't we just have your will, God, when we want it? Like, God, if it's your will, why can't you just, like, why, why does there have to be a waiting season if you want me to have it? Like, wh why do I have to, to, to like, wait? Why, why can't it just happen right away? Like, God, if you want it for me, give it to me now, right? That's point three for tonight is that trust is tested over time. Trust is tested over time. Trust is tested over the time that when God gives you a promise, you have to realize that, that when you put your trust in him, that he's not a, a, a vending machine where you press a button and then your promises come out. No, you have to be able to trust him. You have to be able to realize that whatever is happening in my life, whatever is going on, I, 40 years has passed by, things aren't going according to plan, but you know what, God, I still trust you. You have to be able to have that kind of trust. We're saying, God, I, I, everything is going exactly opposite of what I thought, yet I still trust you. And that's how you know, that you, that's how you know it's been tested. You know, I, I love having people in my life. I, I, I love friends. I love relationships. But who knows that the people you can trust the most is the ones that have been tested by time. They're, they're, they're the people who have been, been with you through the thick and the thin. They're the people who, who say, well, you know what? They stuck with me when I was at my lowest. They stuck with me uh, when, I, when I didn't deserve it. And that's the kind of people that you're going to text, that you're going to lie on, that you can depend on. In the same way, when, our, when, when we trust God over the testing of time, God can look down at us and he, can, and he can see now he's ready for his purpose because I know through the thick and the thin, he's already been tested. And that he can step fully into his purpose and his promise. And so we can be so confused with time. But it says, and we continue with scripture, it says, but the Israelites continue to groan under the burden of slavery. So this is over the next 40 years. And, and God continues to hear uh, the, the groaning and, the, and the, the, the Israelites' burden. They cried out for help, and the cry rose up to God. Just real quick, this is what I love about God so much, is that not only does he hear your, your, your praises, but he, he, he hears your cries. Not only does he hear, hear how great God, you are. He also hears your struggles. He, he hears what's in your heart. He, he, not only does he hear your songs, but he hears your struggles. We don't serve a God that sits there during the mountaintop moments, but he hears us when, that, when we're at our valley fours and we feel lost. So if there's anybody watching online or in the room, if you feel like you've lost it all and you feel like you, sometimes you just have to let out a cry to God. I found out that in my lowest moments, 
that I have to give in. I have to, uh, sometimes we think that, you know, especially as man, we can't, you know, admit when we feel down. We can't admit when we feel like uh, life has taken us to a place. But I learned that the most manly thing you can do is cry out to God. And say, Father, I need you. Things are collapsing around me. I, uh, my, the, the budget isn't looking like what I thought. Uh, I've just been uh, let go from my job. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to provide. That's not the time for us to, to be proud. That's the time for us to be humble and to cry out to God. And that's what the, the Israelite people were doing. They were crying out to God. They were crying out to God, crying out to, for him to save them. And it says that they heard him. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, that God comforts those who mourn. Don't, not only should we give God praises, but man, we gotta, we got to cry out to God in low times. Every season of our lives, we have to realize that, that God doesn't just want to be the God of the mountaintops. He wants to be with you at the valley floor when depression is, is sinking in your mind. But you're saying, God, I just want to cry out to you. Because let me tell you, that, that's the last thing the enemy wants you to do is to cry out to Jesus. The enemy wants to feel like you're contained constricted you have no way out but as soon as you say the name of jesus and say jesus i need you i don't know what i'm gonna do and you begin to cry out to him that's all of a sudden when you see feel all those things the way of the world begins to lift off your shoulders and so the the israelites are crying out to god and says in verse 24 they say god heard their groaning and he remembered everybody say remember his covenant promise to abraham isaac and jacob tell you some church family god is always going to remember his promises to you moses 40 years has passed by he's now a poor shepherd he doesn't know what's going on he might have even forgotten about the promises but let me tell you god did not forget these promises to him god will never overlook if he promised you something if, if, if he said that something was going to take place in your life, don't let the enemy convince you just because a little bit of time went by. Don't let the enemy convince you that's not going to happen. Because yeah. you remember, we serve a God that's omnipresent. So he's already in your future. And so when he tells you a promise that's going to happen, he already sees it done. He already sees you in the promise that he's given you. But now it's just a matter of time that when we're stuck in a chronological, but God's not a chronological person. He, he's already in our future. He's in our yesterday. He's in our today all at the same time. So when he gives you something, when he promises you something, it's already yes and amen. So God promised. He, he promised to, 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 to break the, through. He promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he, that he wouldn't let them suffer, that, 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 that their descendants would, would, would be the, the ones to inherit, inherit the, the promised land. And it says in verse 25, he, this guy, he, he looked down on the people of Israel, and he said, and God said to himself, he, said, he knew it was time to act. He knew it was time to act. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about time. It's about time. Because, see, when I read that story, when I was reading that scripture, I said, God, man, it's about time. These Israelites, people now, they've been in slavery 400 years. It's about time. Like, you know, why? You know, why? I think they got the, your message after the first four years, but now 400 years have gone by. You know, it's about time. Now, we know Moses, he, Moses, he, he had this plan 
to, to, to be the, the next Pharaoh over Egypt. He was in line to be that. So he was thinking that, that, that when God promised him that he was going to lead the, the Hebrew people um, and, and lead them out of slavery. So I, I can just really see it right now that Moses thought, okay, I can kind of see the plan that I'm going to become Pharaoh. And then when I'm Pharaoh, I'm going to be able to let all the people go. Like we can kind of see that that was Moses' plan. But God had a different plan. See, God said, look, I'm not going to, you know, see and wait till you're 40 years old. And for all that, no, I'm going to wait till you're 80. When life has seemed to pass you by, when it seems like you're out of time, when it seems like all your dreams and purposes are not possible anymore. Because we all know, like, you know, uh, the younger you are, the more eager you are about the future. But it seems like the older you get, the dimmer it gets. But God says, no, 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 look. I am going to choose you and call you when you're 80 years old. And not only that, I'm going to call your brother Aaron with you, and I'm going to give you a special stick, and it's going to turn into a snake, and it's going to go make things, you know, in front of Pharaoh. And, and you're going to ask Pharaoh to let my people go and go into the land of Canaan, and Pharaoh's going to say no, and then God's going to send plagues of, of mosquitoes and flies and blood and all these things, uh, disease and cows. And finally, and finally he's going to send the, the, the last plague, which takes all the firstborn of Egypt, and that finally makes Pharaoh let the people go and they go to the Red Sea and God will split the Red Sea and in that red same Red Sea that gave him uh, to, to be able to escape the same Red Sea that swallowed up the, the army of, of, the, of Egypt and all these things happen let me tell you right now no human being could have that plan in mind when Moses was thinking about his purpose, when Moses was thinking about the timing, when Moses was thinking about his promises, he had no idea that that's what's going to look like. Uh, he kind of had an idea, oh, that maybe it was going to be, I was going to become Pharaoh, and I was going to, no, God had a different plan. God had a bigger plan. God had a better plan. God had a God plan. And so what we have to realize is that if we can understand our plan, then it's not God's. There will never be a time when God's promises will be in your life and you'll be able to fully understand how it's all going to happen. Or you're going to fully understand the timing. You're going to fully understand how it's going to fit in the budget and how it's going to do this and, and how everybody's still going to like you during it. Like, if you can understand all of that, then it's not God's plan. That's your plan. But if you are like Moses and you say, God, what, you're calling me now when I'm 80? You're, you're calling me now, not when I was, was going to be the, the, the pharaoh of Egypt, but when I'm a, a poor shepherd? I mean, what, what kind of timing is that? Well, well what, what is that, God? But that is how God works. He, he, he wants to be able to, to not get some of the glory, not a quarter of the glory. He doesn't want people to say, oh, Moses did all that because he was the pharaoh. And, you know, no, he wants to get all the glory. He wants to be able to say when you, when you look at our life, when he looks at my life, when he looks at your life, he wants people able to look at you and say, look, okay, all the things that they're doing, all the promises that they're stepping in, the purpose that's on their life, that has nothing to do with them. That has ever, like, uh, people are supposed to look at us and not say, wow, you know, uh, Caleb's so great. That's why he's doing, oh, he, I want people to look at me and say, if Caleb can do it, man, anybody can do it. Because I can see that God, that it's not him, but God's working through him. Like, I want that. That's what God wants. God wants to get all the glory. God wants us to be able to look at the story of Moses and say, man, look at that. It wasn't because of all his talent or ability. It's just because he was obedient to God. And that's how God gets all the glory. And that's how God's timing works in our lives. You see, God had a better story in mind for Moses. God had a better story, better timing in, in, in mind. And when you look at the, at the life of Moses from a perspective of looking at it from the beginning to the end, 
It, said, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 34 that Moses lived until he was 120 years old. So Moses spent 40 years as the prince of Egypt, uh, next in line to Pharaoh. And then he spent the next 40 years as a poor shepherd, uh, barely scraping by in life and becomes an old man. And then he spends the next 40 years as the leader of Israel, leading them out of slavery. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a better plan. God has a better plan. Will you stand with me tonight? I'm closing. Because I want us to realize, when we look, I want us to realize that the timing's not supposed to make sense in our minds. That there will be times in our life that the enemy is going to convince us that we're out of time, that it's too late. I can just begin to think about, and Moses, even when God called him, and when Moses was at the burning bush, he said, he said, God, how am I supposed to do all this? I, I have a stuttering problem. How are they supposed to follow me? I'm an old man. How, how am I supposed to do all these things? This, isn't, this, isn't, this wasn't supposed to be when it's supposed to happen. This wasn't when I thought the timing was going to happen. But you have to be able to realize how God's promises work in our life, how, how it comes into fruition, is that there's always time with God. There's always time with God. There might be people in this room tonight, and you feel like you're out of time. You, you, you feel like you've, you've run out. You, you feel like it's too late, that you made too many mistakes, that, that you've made so many mistakes that now you're outside of God's timeline. But I want to encourage somebody tonight, just like Moses, that as long as we're still breathing, we still have time. As long as we still have, have, have blood running through our veins, God's not through with us yet. We still have time. God is the creator of time. He'll extend time for you if he has to, to make your promises, to, to bring into your purpose. With, when we are following after God, we will always have time. I learned a powerful lesson about God's timing. When I was 16 years old, uh, my right lung collapsed. My, and uh, when it happened, I just thought I pulled a muscle. And I didn't think nothing of it. Uh, but um, it turned out that my lung collapsed. And so I go to the hospital. They, they, they tell me about it. We're all shocked. Like, what? And we didn't know. I didn't even know that was possible that your lung could collapse. And they take me into emergency surgery. And it had to happen so quickly. My lung had collapsed by uh, 80% or so that, that they had to have surgery on me while I was still awake. And I remember them operating on me. And, I, and, and but the, the surgery was successful. And they were able to, to, to bring me out of it. I was then transported uh, to uh, Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, uh, where I had a second operation done, and uh, that one was successful as well. And they told me, they said, Caleb, they said, everything, uh, uh, all the surgeries have gone well. Um, now we're just waiting for your lung to seal, and then you can go home. And during this time, I had a chest tube in, in my side, and it, it's, it's kind of like a, like a hose that was keeping my lung from, um, from, from collapsing. And he said, once your lung fully heals, you can go home. And they said, Caleb, um, usually it only takes, uh, you know, two to three days. So, so after two to three days, uh, you'll be able to go home uh, most likely. I said, so I said, okay, God. I said, okay. I can do this two or three more days. Those two days didn't turn into two weeks. And I remember questioning um, God's timing. I said, God, why, why am I going through this? You know, why, 
you know, why hasn't this happened already? Haven't I gone through enough? Like, uh, I, I've, I've gone through all these things. It's, it's painful to have this chest tube in my side. I can't move without it hurting. Like, God, why hasn't it happened yet? I, I was questioning uh, the timing. But during this, that, that, those two weeks that I was in the, the, the Texas Children's Hospital, my mom was with me. And if you know my mom, she loves to pray. And she loves people. So she was able, while I was in the hospital, she, the, that whole time while I was waiting, God was working. Because during that whole time I was, while I was in the hospital, she was able to pray for people. And, and if you don't know, the Texas Children's Hospital, there's, there's, it's one of the biggest hospitals, uh, I think the biggest children's hospital in Texas, maybe in the country. And there's so many children and families in that place, so distraught, um, terrible sickness of, of terminal cancer patients. And it's terrible diseases that, that people had. My mom was able just to, to, to help people and encourage people. And there was this nurse that, that would come and visit, visit me every day who, who was helping me. And my mom began to talk to this nurse. Now, this nurse, uh, she, she was a Christian, and, and, she, and she knew Jesus, but she didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so my mom began to talk to her about the baptism of the Holy Spirit for over a couple days, and she, she begins to get, you know, more, more interested in it. And my mom said, hey, look, if, if you're hungry for it, it's for you. It's, you know, the, the Holy Spirit's a gift from God. It's for you. And so she, she, she was going like this. And I remember after two weeks passed by, my mom's talking to this nurse, praying, you know, um, encouraging this nurse. Two weeks go by. I'm questioning the time and everything. I'm like, God, just get me out of here. Like, it's way long. I've been here way longer than I'm supposed to. Like, the, 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 the doctors, they don't understand why my, my, why my lung's not sealing. Like, they don't understand what's happening. Like, God, like, why? But that nurse walks in after about two weeks. She's, she's crying. And she goes up to my mom. She says, she says I'm, I'm ready to, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I remember in that, in that hospital room, I, my mom began to pray for her. And I just felt the presence of God drop so strongly. And that, that nurse, it, it was powerful. She began to, 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 she got baptized. And the Holy Spirit began to speak in tongues in her prayer language. And we were having church in that hospital room. And I remember such an awesome moment, and then that nurse left, and then I remember saying, I, I got that uh, a realization, I said, we were here for that nurse. We were here because, you know, if my lung would have been healed when it was supposed to, you know, she wouldn't have had that moment. But I said, I said Mom, I feel like we were here for her, and I feel like now that that has happened, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like I'm, 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 I'm going to be healed and be ready to go. And sure enough, the next day, my, my lung fully sealed, and I was able to go home. But what, what I learned so powerful about that day is that God's timing doesn't revolve around me. Because while my lawn was being healed, at the same time we served such a good God, God was grabbing hold of that nurse's heart. And I could have been so, I could have been so upset and blamed God. Hey, why, why am I still here? Why, why this? But I got to remember, and, I, and God told me so, so sternly, hey, my timing doesn't just revolve around you. There's a bigger story. The, the, God's timeline, it doesn't just revolve around you and I. God, God has a bigger reason for it. So I think sometimes we can be so confused about the timing of things. I think sometimes we can say, God, why doesn't this happen when I want it, when it's most convenient for me? Why can't my promises happen now? Why can't I step into my purpose? Why can't all this happen on my timing? But you've got to realize it doesn't just revolve around me. 
this doesn't revolve around you. God has a bigger purpose, a bigger plan, and we have to realize that if we just trust his timing, God's going to be able to heal. God's going to be able to, to transform people from the inside out. He's going to be able to renew people's minds, that God's purpose and plan, it's way bigger than you and I. I want to leave y'all with this, with this thought tonight. We will always find triumph when we trust God's time. That's why I want me, me my dad. If you are worried about your promise, when it's going to happen, when, when, when the purpose comes to fruition, all you have to do, you just have to trust God that the time is going to be perfect. Because I've learned if I would have rushed something, like if, if we would have left that hospital too, too early, that woman would have had her moment, that nurse would have had her moment. We have to realize that God's timing, that, that it's bigger than this you and I. When he looks at us, at the same time that he's loving on you, he's also loving on somebody else. At the same time he's answering your prayer, guess what? He's answering somebody else's. And we got to realize that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all interconnected. And so if we're going to trust God's timing, we've got to realize that God's helping me, God's helping you, God's helping all of us, and we're all in this together. So I, just, I want us to pray. I want us to sing some, some songs, but I want us to be able to, to get over that anxiety that we have about the timing of everything. Because a lot of times we miss out on God's best because we try to make it on our schedule. We miss out on God's promise because we try to schedule our promise into our Google calendar between 8 and 9.30 a.m. because we think that's when the best time and then we get upset when it doesn't happen. God's timing doesn't work like that. We got to realize that he sees everything. He sees us from the perspective that we're all his children and he wants to make sure that the, that the plan, that the purpose that he has, that, that it's way bigger than what we can realize. The perspective that we have is way different than what God's perspective is. So we just, I want to pray right now. I just want to pray that, Father, let us be able to be released of that anxiety and of that fear of our promise not happening. God, just remove, Father, that anxiety that it's not going to happen when we think it should happen. But, Father, let us just be able to be encouraged to know that if we just trust you, Father, if we just trust you with the timing, then we don't have to worry about it all. We don't have to worry about the wind, God, but we just have to focus on you, God. So right now, encourage everybody on the sound of my voice and watching online. Encourage us, Father, because we need you, God. We need you now more than ever. We need you, Father, in our life. Let us realize, God, that the timing of everything is not our job. It's not our responsibility to know. It's not supposed to revolve around our minds. But, God, we're just supposed to trust you. Even when we're uncertain, even, Father, when we don't know how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen, Father, we're going to trust in you anyways, God. Father, encourage us right now in this moment. Let your Holy Spirit begin to, to transform minds and encourage hearts, God. Let us not be confused about the timing, Father. Let us just draw a circle around ourselves right now and let the Holy Spirit drop and saturate, Father, because we want to know with every certainty that we have that we trust you, that we believe in your timing, that we're not afraid of, of opinions or we're not afraid of schedules, but God, we just trust your timing. 
So let's just sing some songs right now, but let's make sure that we leave this place more confident than ever in the promises of God and when it's going to happen in our lives. Come on, let's sing. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.